find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. What's good, everyone? Happy Monday. Welcome to a brand new episode of the world's most unorthodox business podcast. That's right. We got a long show today, guys. A banger. This is the globally ranked Behind the Baller podcast. I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. The Wash Lord, a.k.a. The Korean John Cusack. Guys, I hope everybody had a good week. And again, we got a heater for you today. We got fan questions and a whole lot of other shit. I know it's going to be a lit episode. What a week. Um, Before we get started, this show is brought to you by the one, the only, Dust Brothers Productions. That's Miles and Jordan. And without them, this show doesn't happen. More importantly, without them, I wouldn't be podcasting. Professionally, that is. Another museum quality show coming your way. Miles, hit the army off with a little lakey, and let's get this bitch started. So, I ain't gonna lie, y'all. This week killed me. Um, I'm just starting to feel like my voice is a little hoarse right now, you know what I mean? Um, this past week was really weird, to say the very least. I caught an L, but more importantly, I caught several W's. We don't need to celebrate all that and talk about it. And, and you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. But with those dubs, I guess this is Victory Monday then, right? Right? Is that what it'd be? Yeah. So I had the kids all weekend. Let me repeat. All weekend. And I had them uh, during the week too. So this is the most time I've spent with all three of my kids in many months. No cap. They wore me the fuck out. My relationship with my children has never been stronger. But they wore me the fuck out. They wore me out like your favorite shoes on vacation. Shit like your favorite pajamas. You know what I'm saying? Um... You know, I've been lacking on my, my cooking lessons um, for the last two weeks. And um, I don't know, man. It start, it, they're, they're starting to really like, they're, they're comfortable in the new home and everything like that, whatever. Um, and uh, I'm trying to keep some order in this bitch. You know what I mean? And like, I haven't even put all my shit in here. I got to do all that. And it's just, it's weird. Um, we hit Disneyland yesterday, went to the movies did all kinds of shit, you know. Um, and by the way, Disneyland is, is a weird place for me. I've been going there since I was a youth, right? Since I was like three, four years old, maybe five, I don't know. So I've been going there for well over 40 years. And the f- crazy thing is, in the first month of dating, um, Nick, we hit Disneyland. And we had been many times, you know, she's been way more times because she's taking the kids and stuff. And, um, it's a weird experience. It's actually, um, as far as like a, just going with a girl by myself, I think I've been to Disneyland twice in my life with a woman. But, you know, I've been 
a few dozen times over the last 13 years. And I got to say, this was the best time I ever had. Um, we had Star Wars. I don't know if I mentioned, you know, Ryder's been into Godzilla, all this other shit. But he's absolutely fucking completely obsessed with Star Wars. And the Star Wars part of Disneyland is the best part of it, period. It was just a, a an amazing time. Um, more about the weirdest time in my life. It's like, if it's not one thing, it's another, right? Sort of like golf. I get stronger and then other parts get weaker. I build my arms up, get the calves strong, then my stomach and my chest get weaker. You know, I build my chest up, then my shoulders get weaker. I run faster than I ever have in my life and then my head hurts. But no matter what, my mental has been pretty even keel. And that's a true test of strength to me, right? I just don't know how much longer I could really keep it up, okay? I think what the, the issue is, the reality of my divorce is kicking in. And I don't know why I didn't hit harder. I think because I had so much trauma and shock, which shit I can't really talk about early on, but also because the cards are in my favor in some ways. You know, um, I know my kids love me. But to really like kind of, you know, um, observe how they are at times and the underlying issues that they have throughout, you know, because of what's going on, the pain, it really crushes my spirit inside. And of course, you know, sometimes I wish it was all a bad dream. And then you think about like, well, shit, you know, I've seen some of the craziest shit come back together. I'm not there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, you know, there's things I feel like there, and I'm sure on both ends are so unforgivable. I think at this point, you know, I'm not ready for, um, I'm ready to be civil, right? And all that, but I don't know, man, it's a weird time. And I think if I were to completely ignore it and just focus on work, not feel all the memories, the pain that comes with them, right? I'd be 10 times worse off later. I'd be sweeping shit under the rug. And to be honest with you, I just started working recently, very recently. I'd be a robot basically. And I don't think that would give me any true healing power later. You know, um, some days are good. Some days are bad. And I think most of it is, I still don't really want to see people. Still not really trying to hang out with anybody. I started getting in a groove of talking to people I have known for a long time or people I can really discuss or, you know, shit with and converse with. But it gets bad mostly when I'm by myself. And the crazy part is I don't want to be around anybody else. So it's just weird. You know, when the kids are around, I'm good. Like as we are recording the show right now, they're dead asleep upstairs, right? I'm just surprised that I'm still standing, to be honest. But on Friday and Saturday night, well, on Friday night, I drove to all, we and the kids, we drove to all the cribs that they were born in, some of them raised in, right? 
just wanted to pass by. And I drove by the crib I was raised in. And uh, Koreatown is gentrified. Crazy. It has been a whole different type of shit that's going on. You know, it's like, you know, writers like, oh man, this is crazy. You know, some parts are seedy, some parts are okay, some parts look modern, some parts look fucked up. But it hit them hard. Lana started crying when we passed by one of the cribs. Thought about the nostalgia, right? Even Kaya caught some tears. Ryder broke down the other day, you know. Felt like I was spending too much time with London. And I think I give Ryder the most attention at certain times. I try to really even, that's the toughest part of being a dad, being a parent, is really evenly dividing your time. If you got four kids, two kids, three kids, three plus, it's different. You know, you're outnumbered. And it is tough. And I feel like I missed out on some of Kaya's time. She's also the baby of the family. And I made a joke. I was like, you know, this is the furthest thing from the truth. Like I would never in a million fucking years think about having another kid. I'm not at all do I want another kid. I was like, guys, what would you do if you guys had a new, you know, a little brother, a little sister? <laughs> it's the craziest shit. This is the most like colorful I've seen Kaya. And Kaya goes, I would beat her up. I would beat him up too. I would beat the baby up because the baby would take all my attention. And Ryder said the same thing. And London kind of low-key shared the same sentiment. But um, Saturday night, I drove to kids in every single house I've ever, every apartment, anything, every place I've ever lived in Los Angeles, in SoCal, all of them. And we all tripped as we just went on this nostalgic drive and then, um, you know, went on, went down memory lane, but it was, it was good. It was therapeutic. Again, my, my bond with my children is strongest it's ever been. So that part's not so weird. It's just, it's been a weird week. And that's that, you know, I figure this whole situation with Russia and Putin, and I haven't really deep dove into it because I've been so, you know, really occupied with my kids. I don't know what the fuck's going on. There's supposed to be some coup. But um, fuck it. Let it happen. I, I really can't get into the details. I wish I had a political analyst for the show. I don't. Um, I need to get one. But one thing that kind of made me sad before we get into fan questions and stuff, a few things I want to talk about. One, rest in peace to the people who died in the Titan submersible. Yes, there's some mistakes. There's some things that people overlook. There's a lot of shit. But it says a lot about society about how bitter people were that there was a billionaire on the on the submarine and all this other bullshit, the memes, the jokes. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't find none of that shit funny. Period. It's fucking sad. The 19-year-old kid was terrified, allegedly, before going on, and his dad had him, you know, whatever. That could have been me and Ryder. Could have been me in London. I don't know. It's just fucked up. So God bless their souls. Rest in peace. And um, it's a horrible situation. And you really think about... There's this video going around showing how deep the ocean is. And my kids are, my boys are obsessed with the ocean, you know. And you really see how deep the Titanic was. 3,700 meters. And you're like, God damn. You know, you could fuck, your head explodes at 300 something meters or some shit. I don't know. Just think about how sad society is and where we are today and how much hate there is in the world. And it's fucked up. And um, it, it low-key depresses me, you know. Then Andrew Tate is formally charged now with uh, human trafficking and all that shit. I don't know the exact charges, whatever. The Basically in that area, 
of charges, but it's sad to see grown men happy or to celebrate people they don't like, that they don't even fucking know, getting treated unfairly. And I've said this many times. If I don't like you, that doesn't mean I think you should get shafted. That doesn't mean like, oh, you had it coming, blah, blah, whatever. Maybe in some cases. Charles Manson, Richard Ramirez, yeah, okay. This dude, not a huge fan of Andrew Tate. I don't think he has some intelligence. I think he's very articulate. But everyone's innocent until proven guilty, right? We don't know shit about this. Just saying. I can't laugh at another man getting treated fucked up if it, if it ain't there, right? And again, I, I can't speak on it because I don't know. Everyone says, oh, he's bragged about it. He dis- we don't know what the fuck they say because I say shit on here all the time and I troll people and I get somebody legally be like, oh, well, you said this. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like some dude who was, what's that dude's name? Richard something who was talking about watches all of the bullshit, found out a lot of it was cap. I started posting shit just to show how people, how easy it is for people to believe people that are lying. But the last thing I want to talk about before we get into fan questions is Russell Simmons got into some major drama with his two daughters and his ex-wife, Kimora. I've known Russell for almost 30 years. I've been a fan of Russell Simmons for a very long time. I can't say I've been a fan of his as of recent And I can't say once we became a little cooler, I didn't really fuck with dude. But I'll be real with you. Is he a legend? Absolutely. One of the most important people in hip-hop history. He got into it with his daughters over some alleged threats, him getting upset. Now, if you don't know, Russell Simmons has all these allegations and these these, um, charges against him about date raping and stuff like that, Bill Cosby shit. And so he moved to Bali where they can't extradite him. Now, that's a whole d- different conversation. I don't fuck with Russ like that. You know, old Rush is his nickname. But the situation with Kimura is, I fuck with Kimura a hundred times less. We ain't gonna talk about age differences now, whatever. I don't know the facts. When I met Kimura, and they were early dating, she was already a grown-ass woman. So I don't know about where all the other bullshit came from. I'm talking about when they started dating for real. She was a grown-ass woman. Okay. I don't fuck with Kamora. I know her well enough to know whatever. I ain't gonna talk about the kids. They're going in there crying about this. There's a whole lot of entitlement and a whole lot of different things. People live a certain way and that's fine. I'm sure my kids might have certain things. But when you start calling somebody a narcissist, gaslighting, using terms like that, two fucking words are the most overused terms that I hate on social media and in society today. And not because people have called me that. I'm saying people use the terms improperly. Is Russell Simmons a narcissist? Maybe. Does he have the right to be cocky and me, me, me at certain times? Absolutely. Does he have a right to treat people like shit? No, I didn't say all that. He could put his chest out though. His accolades speak for themselves. But they don't talk about the fact that Kamora and her new husband stole $250 million. I could say allegedly. But there's court documents, certain things like that. And I'd be mad too. Again, people get both sides of the stories, man. You know what I'm saying? 
And that's just more me getting into it. And I know we got a lot of fan questions coming up. But just saying, man, as crazy as I talk shit, I want motherfuckers to understand that (laughs) people, you know what I'm saying? Again, murderers deserve a fair trial. Prove their innocence or not. You may think you know everything. I don't know. It is what it is. But yeah, man, let's take a break. Let's pay some bills, get into fan questions, and then jump into this outro. All right, we'll be right back, y'all. My company, Captain Picks, is cooking right now in the sports betting world. MLB, UFC, PGA, props, parlays, sports betting is meant to be a team game. Come join the captains, me and our algorithms. Use promo code BTB for 30% off any package. What's up, y'all? We're back. And this is fam questions. We don't usually do it. Well, we're supposed to do it once a month, but um, it's probably been a little longer than that. So let's jump right the fuck back into it. Fam question and fan question. Let's call them fam because, my, my, you know, BTB Army, you guys are my family. And you guys ask some personal shit, business shit, and whatever. And if the question hasn't been asked before, I answer it here. Or if it's been an updated answer, I answer it here. All right, so let's get it started. Ivan writes, what's up, Ben? My name is Ivan. Hope all is well with you and the fam. I got two quick questions for you. Picked up golf last fall and been working hard trying to get better. What are a few things you wish you knew about golf as a newcomer that you know now that would have helped your game? Really learn, just reading the rules of golf. Reading the basic general rules. I just knew hit a ball. I knew what a birdie was. I knew what a bogey was. To a certain extent, I knew certain things. Um, the thing that was the biggest thing that helped me was getting a coach. Not going on YouTube. Thing about me was not trying to be someone else's swing and trying to do other things. I mean, just tempo and things like that. So that was really a big part of shit that helped me. Um, second question, do you ever plan on doing a subscriber meetup in Dallas-Fort Worth anytime this year? Who knows? Dallas-Fort Worth, I don't know. I might do one in Texas, you know what I'm saying? And kind of make it like, all right, well, we'll do, you know, Frisco, Houston, Dallas-Fort Worth, Arlington, all that. Meet up in one spot. That's a cool spot. I, I definitely got to do a Texas one. So definitely for sure. And Ivan, thank you very much. Nicasio writes, how do you feel about the TaylorMade Stealth Driver? Also, when will you be coming out with your own BB ball markers, balls, and divot tool for public? Thanks. I haven't hit anything else, but the I've, I've hit this Ping P400 that my coach Ron has, and I've, I've striped that bitch. But the OG Stealth Driver, I was hitting it really good early on. Didn't have a fully developed swing. Now my swing is, is there, but my driver is the weakest club in my bag with the stealth two they say it's more forgiving but i'm not really telling but you know i do notice that my ball gets there i think i hit my stealth one further so i don't really know bb ball markers balls divot tools coming very soon when i say very soon in the next few weeks all right appreciate you nick next question is emil uh, Ben, I know you've been less into jewelry as you get into new things. BTB is here for all of it. I'll keep it simple. Favorite watch of all time. Also, what was your first big watch purchase that wasn't a Rolex? Favorite watch of all time. May sound corny, man, but I really love 
the Audemars AP uh, Royal Oak openwork. It's a skeleton, rose gold. Think that and the Patek 5990. No diamonds, no nothing. Dope. First big watch purchase that wasn't a Rolex was my first AP, and that was probably shit 2006 maybe somewhere around there about a royal oak offshore some fucking monster fucking tank watch and yeah that was that was a lit watch it was a dope watch i I copped it for fucking the low back then i sold it before it blew up so yeah junior melendez writes what's up this is junior or jr melendez out here in west texas first and foremost my girlfriend would kill me if i didn't ask you to give her a quick shout out uh, Joanna Pham, I assume she's Vietnamese. Fan of the pod, just wanted to first give you your flowers for everything you've done to continue to accomplish. Being a great father to your kids, continue to show up for your, us listeners every week, giving out free game. For clearance prices, your pods are not only inspirational to us listeners, but also work commute therapy for others. Thank you, by the way. My question is three-part. When was the day you realized that the jewelry game wasn't your ultimate final destination professionally? And when and where you realized this golf thing could be your future long-term what was the realization like? I think I realized that jewelry game was a multiple fine destination professionally probably a few years ago, right when the pandemic hit. I'd already been on my way out, but I realized I had no passion in it anymore. And I wasn't even in golf. So I was gravitating for anything to hit my way, right? And it was already on some weird shit. You guys know I retired from it. 2000, late 2016, came back for ASAP, Rocky and Ferg in early 17. But when I realized this golf thing could be a future long-term thing was when I wasn't even playing rounds yet. And my gold tailor-made putter sold out. And then the Kith collab came out. And I realized there's a whole different space here that hasn't been busted wide the fuck open. Then I thought about, now I got more time to spend with my family. Got more time to spend with my wife, even though she complained about how long golf was. She didn't know how long a round golf was. She thought that the range and playing golf was the same thing. But it was something I felt like I could retire doing this. I could be 70, 80, teach my kids doing this. And again, spend more time with my family and be at home more. It obviously backfired. But when we launched part three, I realized, look, there really is something here. And whether things me worked out with me and Nick, golf will always be there for you. And if I didn't have golf right now, I'd probably be in a 10 times worse place. So, you know, it's not like I traded off golf for my wife. You know, she's technically my wife still. I'm saying soon to be ex-wife, whatever. But if I had to choose, I'd choose my family. That doesn't mean I'd be very sad about it. But there has to be some sort of happy medium. I'd be out of golf still here and there. But it's a crazy time, man. Um, thank you for the question, Junior. Jacob Kwan writes, Hey, Ben, it's Jacob, the vape man. What does it truly take to become a successful business owner and entrepreneur? What sacrifices did you make in order to get to your position? What are your future goals when it comes to your career in golf? Um, What does it take to truly become a successful business owner? You know what? It's, It's really knowing your product, knowing the market, taking chances, taking risks, hitting bottom. Um, Once you hit the bottom, ain't nowhere else to go up but up. Understanding and I mentioned this before, your weakest link says a lot about you and your company. 
And um, there's a whole lot of other shit that I don't have the answers for. Sacrifices I made in order to get to your position. Very painful divorce. Losing my family temporarily. Losing close friends. You know, outgrowing people. Realizing some people don't have the same passions. Now again, you don't need to see eye to eye with other people. But when you outgrow somebody, that's a different situation. You know, and that happens in business. You could make things salty, make things not, right? It's, it's a lot of sacrifices. Spending time away from my family. be Sister, mom, brother, whatever. Future goals when it comes to my career in golf is to change the landscape, change the game, remove the stigma of this old, white, rich, you know, supremacist-type, elitist game and really leaving a lane open for the people out there who can't afford to golf, making it more accessible, making it cool, and of course, making some money, right? The money will come, you know, I'm not worried about that, but that's, that's pretty much it. By the way, Jake, I need some new fucking vapes, man. Come on, man, stop playing. <laughs> Who the fuck is this? I don't even know what the fuck. Uh, I don't think the dude writes his name. Anyways, Tito Ben, been listening to the Potter now for four years. Just want to say respects to all the free game. My question is, how do you separate yourself, brand, from the rest of the competition in a saturated industry? Also, besides your family, what keeps you wanting to, to go out there and get more? People in your position could easily call it quits and just kick up and live off investments. But you seem to always be making plays all the time, even through the fuckery. Straight up, all gas, no brakes, but calculated, which is so impressive, man. If you see this, thank you time for reading this. And even though it doesn't make it pile, respects Tito Ben, again, for all the free game. Technically, I couldn't call it quits because the divorce has been very expensive. I have lost millions, unfortunately. Um, but prior to that, the job wasn't finished. Like Kobe used to say, right? Job's not done. I had reached a lot of accolades. I've reached a lot of milestones. But I had not got to where I wanted to be. It wasn't about money. Money's important though. And I could have cruise controlled and lived a little, you know, downside my lifestyle a little bit. But it was more to show my kids that I had a lot of drive. I worked hard. And no matter what, could always do better. And at the end of the day, you have to separate, right, the Ben Baller brand from Jay Lindbergh, from G4, TaylorMade. Those are big houses with billions of dollars in investments. Could it get there? Maybe. Malbins did it. You know what I mean? And he could be a billion dollar brand. And I think he will. You got to figure out what's missing from the game. What's lacking. And how you could bring that to the table. And then eventually, it's the reason why I made Ben Ballard back nine, the two Bs. The BB, be better. Eventually, I would like to wake, walk away from this. Maybe it goes somewhere else. I don't know. But you have to understand whether you're a rapper, whether you're a jeweler, whether you're in fucking anything, because everything's saturated. You got to believe, man. There's always room to be better. There's always growth. There's always change. There's always future. All that stuff. Good question, man. Uh, John writes, Hey, Ben, I noticed that DJ Khaled started playing, posting crazy about golf on IG lately. Not sure if he was buying your style. I think you got into golf a year before he did. Nevertheless, if you had to play Khaled one-on-one, -on -one, could you whip his ass? 
How much money would you be willing to wager? Do you believe he's really about that golf life or do you think he's faking it? Cal's my boy. Um, my boy, Lenny's also his manager. It's all fam. Um, do I think he was about my style? No, man, people catch the golf bug. I think he truly, truly loves it. I think he's about that golf life to a certain extent. He has an enormous platform and um, I don't think he's faking. I think he loves it. Now, if I had to play him one-on-one, could I whip his ass? I would fucking absolutely destroy Khaled. It wouldn't even be a fucking question about it. And on no disrespect, I'm talking about just skill, golf, I would fucking work him. I would, look, I'm not going to say how many strokes. I would I would beat him straight up, period. How much would I, money would I be willing to wager? I'd bet everything I own. Millions. I would fucking absolutely, it, it, he wouldn't have a chance, okay? <laughs> but good question, man. I, I appreciate it. Edwin writes, what's up, Ben? Huge fan and following your journey careers for a very long time. You're a real legend. My question is, besides your kids, how do you stay motivated and what do you do to take to stay energized every day? I'm a father of four and a sales territory manager. I'm having trouble staying focused and having energy to power through the days. God bless. You're a father of four, homie, and you don't have, that's not enough? Edwin, you have four kids and that's not enough? Bro, three Think about tuition, college. Think about just, you can't just cut them off at 18. I mean, you can do what you want to. I'm just saying like, that's a lot, bro. I don't know the ages of your kids, but that's what keeps me driven. That's what keeps me motivated. I got to make sure they're good. And I know other people be like, look, you could, you know, do enough, whatever. But it's, that's a big part of it. The other part is, I feel like I'm cheating the game with as much as I've done for, people in general, not even Asian Americans and, and what I've done in, in my lifetime. The story ain't over. There's more to tell. There's more people to help. But bruh, kids, man. Come on, dog. Edwin, tighten up, dog. Anthony Vargas writes, what's up, Ben? Good afternoon. Hot 97 is currently running the top 50 hip-hop songs. A lot of East Coast bias. What are your personal top five West Coast hip-hop songs from any era? Thanks. Off the top of my head, holy shit, I have not, I couldn't even figure out begin. Fuck. Boys in the Hood. Fucking, um, I'm sure there's an Ice Cube song in there somewhere. There's a Trey song in there somewhere. There's a Snoop song in there. And then there's an NWA song in there. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of the exact same songs. I don't want to take too much time. This is top off the dome piece. We don't, I mean, we do edit the show for sound, but I don't want to like come back and be like, oh, boom, this is what it is. But at the same time, shit, Souls of Mischief 93 and 2 Infinity, you know, there's some far side shit that fucking would be in the top 50, like pass me by. I don't know. Good question though, man. I'm sure there is a lot of bias in New York, whatever. A lot of Southern shit, whatever. Man, it's fucking crazy era hip hop right now. Um, Sharia or Sharia writes, hey Ben, longtime listener and fan. What is the most common misconception conception about you what do people mostly get wrong about you if you could change one thing in the past what would it be so two questions right um what is the most common misconception about you and what do people get wrong about you i think the biggest misconception about me is that people think i lie a lot I think my life is so fucking crazy that a lot of shit that i've done in my life is just not really believable <laughs> um what do most people get wrong about you that I'm a mean person in actuality. I think when people come up to me, I'm pretty cool. Unless I'm around my kids and I'm kind of like in you know, the middle of a situation. Um, another thing too, I think big misconception about me is people think I'm either a lot poorer than I am or a lot richer than I am. 
And I think I'm just, I do okay. If I could change one thing in your passport, it'd be as sad as it sounds. It's, and again, doesn't mean that I want to come back and visit this, but I think if I could change one thing in my past, I wish I could have been gentler. When I mean gentler, I don't mean like aggressive, mean, whatever, the opposite. Just think I wish I would have spent more time with Nicolette and been gentler with the earth in regards to her and certain things and being so focused on work because I'm so, I was such a provider being the breadwinner and, and um, things like that. I think there are some jobs I could have passed up on. And I do think I was a very good husband. I don't think I was a great husband. I think I was an excellent provider. And um, that's one big thing. I was going to say, I wish I started golf earlier, but again, I said before, golf will always be there for you. So I'm not going to say that, man. <laughs> um, Listen questions, huh? What's good, Tito Ben? I know you have dived into the golf world this year and thriving. So I wanted to know what areas you see in the golf industry that could be profitable. I love golf. And as a young artist, entrepreneur, I want to be able to profit off my passions. Starting to take direction for coaching, et cetera. But I want to design as well. Thank you, par three gang gang. I mean, coaching, you know, it's steady. I don't know what kind of skills you got, but if you really know how to coach, shit, you can make, you know, a decent living. I mean, unless you're George Gankis or somebody big, you know, fucking Claude Harmon, Butch Harmon, whatever. But that's a fulfilling thing. You know what I mean? You're helping people out. You could be fucking them up too, right? Um, as far as the design level, you know, fashion is definitely lacking. A lot of brands out there, but doing the same shit. They're not really pushing the bar. That's a big thing. So, you know, um, that's one area. There's a ton of golf ball companies. Why would they use yours? Believe it or not, you could find a really good manufacturer in Korea or China that are making these balls for the big brands and make them for less, still make a profit, and change some things around. I don't know. Just some ideas, guys. You know what I'm saying? Good question. Anthony Harmon writes, what's up, Ben? Anthony Harmon, I reside in Chicago, born and raised. Always been a fan of your work. I'm 26 years young. I remember my older brother would bring magazines home and I'd have to write up on you. Crazy chain, grill, the works. Always appreciated what you did for hip hop and the culture. I hate that term now, but whatever. In short, I just got my MBA. I work in IT, have a pretty solid salary and just secured my first real estate investment. During all that time grinding, I faced multiple trials and tribulations. We'll call them failures. My question to you is, Ben, how do you define failure? How do you navigate through your failures? How do I define failure? Fuck, that's a question I've actually never been asked before. Failure's not getting the job done. And with almost no hope of getting it done. Failure to me is not delivering what you promised. Now, if you deliver it at a later date, cool. But whether you had one year, three years, three days, seven years, seven days, whatever, you know, you got to fix it. And if you couldn't get the job done in five days, you got a job done in eight, you could have missed somebody's birthday, somebody's wedding, a deadline for a commercial. Got to figure out, you accepted that job. You need to figure out how to fix that and get it to finish in that time. How do you navigate you through your failures? I dissect 
and obsessively go through every part that went wrong and what could have changed. To be honest with you, sometimes it's not in the cards for you. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. But I don't run from failure. I run to it. Again, you fail, you make mistakes, you learn them, you learn from them, you learn how to fix them, or you don't. So that's the best answer I could give you for that, bro. Jose writes, will you ever have Bobby Hundreds on the pod? I think this was asked before. Me and Bobby have known each other for 20-something years. I invite Bobby on the show anytime. I don't know what we talk about. Good dude. You know, we've worked together. Sure. I'm not in a rush to have Bobby on the show, but I'd love to have him, if that makes any sense. I don't really know. I mean, <laughs> actually, you know what? Let me take that back. Bobby has an interesting story. Bobby was an attorney, decided to get into fashion, did it as a hobby, turned to something big, and salute to Bobby. Good dude, man. You know what? Yeah, definitely. Let me get Bobby on the fucking show. Next question. Um, Rick writes, yo, Ben, I don't know if you're okay to talk about this now. My question is, how are you able to find happiness, motivation to continue pushing forward in such a rough time in your life? Happiness? I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think I found happiness through these dark times. Motivation, I mean, I've been blessed to have put myself in a position to where I'm not completely broke. You know, I've taken some L's and it's hurt. That right there is a motivation. I got to bounce back. This next comeback is personal. I owe it to myself, right? I owe it to my kids. I owe it to anybody who thinks out there, I'm done. And I don't really hear that out there that you done, boom. Most of the conversations through people who kind of know me, don't know me, they're like, yo, I know you're about to come back crazy. And that, that's basically, you know, that's what it is. It's just a rough time. You know, um, no cliche shit with the tough times don't last, tough people do. It's deeper than that when you're in a situation like this, especially when it involves children. You know what I mean? Um, but my children, all the motivation. And I do think there's people out there I owe it to, more importantly, myself. So yeah, man, good question, man. Travis Rice, I've been a longtime listener from Canada. How do you view the current and future economy in US and globally? Hear a lot of recession talk and slowing down. I'm seeing people still spending money and traveling like no tomorrow. Housing prices have been trending up and beyond people's affordability, but people are still buying. What are you seeing and hearing? Just because housing prices are going up and people are buying above affordable pricing and above market pricing, that don't mean shit. People are stupid. I think people are like, look, everything else is fucked up. Let me do whatever I can to put all my, all my eggs in a basket with the house because at least I have the house and it's an asset. As far as the recession talk and slowing down, it is. It is and it is. Recession is here. It is slowing down. Big corporations are cutting big time, whether you notice it or not. They're trying to deliver big numbers while cutting down the shit. You got fucking people trying to put robots and replace the humans, whatever else. But the bottom line is big corporations aren't spending the money you think they are. Again, you see people traveling and still spending like tomorrow. No tomorrow. That's because the pandemic fucked them up and they're scared. And they're like, look, we might not live to see tomorrow. We might not live to live next month. And well, well, you know, that could be, you know, a creed to live by by some people. No. Because if I ain't here, my kids might still be here. 
Is the world gonna end? Who knows? Meanwhile, be smart. Because you may fuck around and be like those Y2K people who buried all their money and then nothing happened. The clocks didn't change, whatever computers into it. And then they fucking lost their money because they buried it in the backyard and they couldn't find it. Again, people are stupid. I spent beyond my means before early on in my life. I've learned my lesson. I won't lie. I got ahead of myself after the pandemic. I had made a lot of money, did some stupid shit, but I know what I need to do. You know, the current economy is fucked up. I do think we bounce back and there are parts of the world that are feeling it. I don't know, man. Social media is really fucked up. You see the best 1% of people's lives. People don't even, besides my kids, and that's just like a general thing. I just seen a picture of my, my, my kids. People don't even see 10% of the best part of my life. They don't see the best parts. And I do it on purpose. You know, um, I don't save, I mean, I used to post cars here and there, whatever, but I'm talking about like, I don't expose what's going on in my life, even currently. Could be worse than people think and a lot better than people think, you know. But it, it's going to be rough times. I think we're going to hit, and I don't want to scare anybody, I think we'll hit worse times than we did in 08 and 09. Honestly, truly feel that way. Uh, Dylan writes, hey man, um, how come you didn't talk about being in San Francisco on your show when I caught you out here and seen you walking out of a real estate business? Should I or should not? I mean, <laughs> um, I just said this on the last question. I don't tell people what I do all the time. I don't tell people where I'm going just because I'm out of town doesn't mean, and when I'm not out of town, I don't talk about it all the time. And I move differently sometimes, right? But yeah, I was in San Francisco for a fucking day. Um, I sold my crib. Shout out to Stephen Frisbee. You know, never done a seven day escrow before. It was quick. Had to get rid of that. And, you know, it was a business. It was a business that was totally separate and, you know, I had to get rid of it. I'm in a weird situation now with, with the divorce and everything else. And it's not tied to that. It was totally separate, um, you know, irrevocable trust and all that. And it's just something that needed to happen. But that's why, yeah, I didn't see me going to fucking Union Square, going to Rotunda or none of that. I kind of was there. Boom. I almost thought about jumping to Dave Busters, but I was there. Um, I got in at 150, got out of that office at five, woke up. Um, spent the night, chilled in the hotel and fucking flew out at 7 a.m. So I don't know. Anyways, uh, Sean writes, how is your relationship with the Bentley bros? I see you golfing with Kai. How is he on the course? How is Kai? What's he up to? Um, you know, it's funny. Me and me and Levi had some beef early on because I thought he was fucking cornball wearing this full Supreme outfit, whatever, and got to know the dudes like um, um, youngest brother. I thought, you know, he was weirdo. He's actually killing on TikTok right now. I think their dad's fucking amazing, dude. I think they're actually really good guys. I like Kai a lot. Uh, Kai and Levi are good at golf. Been playing a lot. Kai's getting really good. It's just weird. Seems inconsistent. I don't know. Kai's a, Kai's a trip, man. You know, he's in Japan. He loves golf, and I think it's dope. Um, He's good. He's got more of a fluid um, swing than I do. He's younger. He's an athlete. He's in good shape. He's never really fell off like I have as far as, you know, how bad I fell off, you know, like physically. But um, nah, man, good dude. 
I fuck with him. Uh, Jennifer writes, hi, Kuya Ben. For those of you who don't know, Kuya means big bro in uh, Tagalog, Philippines, right? Uh, Filipino people. Been a listener since day one. Such a breath of fresh air whenever I listen to your pod, even when the topics get heavy, but I always appreciate your honesty and game. Thank you for that. Knowing you are into different genres of movies, imagine yourself as a director and you could have an all-star cast or your top three favorite actors in your movie. What genre of movie would it be and how would your storyline go? Much love from the Bay. Jen Butterfly 415. Damn. Fuck. That's a tough one, man. Three favorite actors. Fuck. I would do some sort of a organized crime or like a hustler type movie where someone got scammed out of something and they didn't know who they were fucking with. And I would love to have Jeffrey Wright in the movie. I would love to have Philip Seymour Hoffman in the movie. And who else? I can't think. I don't know who the third would be. I mean, that'd be the obvious, like, you know, De Niro or, you know, Denzel. I don't know, though. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like too many all-stars in a movie would fuck it up. But, damn, who else is there, man? Oh, John Bernthal. Yo, man, John, for sure. John, Jeffrey Wright, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. It would be a fucking amazing movie. I would love it to take place in different cities. Vegas, for sure. Maybe Atlantic City a little bit. New York, LA. You scam some dude. You thought he was a punk like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I could see Philip, Philip being a fucking evil dude. He was such a fucking gem. And um, that would be it. What a great question. Thank you, Jennifer. I really appreciate that. Brandon Pippen writes, Brandon's actually a subscriber of mine. Good dude. Um, shout out to Brandon. Just had a baby. Uh, last month was uh, born seven pounds, 14 ounces, man. God bless you, Brandon, and, and the wifey. Celebration time in order for Phoenix Marie. God bless, man. Beautiful baby, man. Send a picture. Great dude. He says, actually, I do have a question for you, Ben Baller. Have you heard the new Killer Mike album? If so, what do you think about it? I have not heard the Killer Mike album. I think Killer Mike is a fucking brilliant, amazing guy. I have not heard music from him in many, 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 many years. Loved him back 20 years ago. I just haven't followed his career, man. I'm sorry. But congrats on the baby, Brandon. Sorry about that, man. Wish I had a better answer for you. Bay Area IG. Hey, Ben, I've always wanted to ask you, out of all the chains you have done for Filthy Rich, what is your favorite FOD piece? Also, your favorite piece you ever made done for Filthy. Um, I know I've said this before. I think you should have a Filthy on podcast. He's very sharp on his game and has a lot of music experience to help young artists out there listening. Y'all definitely share some of the same fan base. You guys have great history together and would love to speak to soak up game if that episode happens. Thank you for the podcast. Sending love to you and your family during this time. Um... You know, I've made some FOD baguette pieces. I love Filthy. He's a good dude, so smart. You know, so many things he does outside of rap to become rich. And we won't get into a couple of those things because, you know, it's nothing I really don't want to condone. Oh, I do condone, sorry. I made a ring for Filthy that was dope. And it was more like a championship ring. And it was diamonds. And it was it was dope because he didn't want it all flooded out. It was there was enough diamonds and then it was enough gold. So the contrast was really dope. As far as I went on the show, 
You know, I don't really have rappers on the show, you know what I mean? But we could talk about the business part and how you could help people. So that's a very good idea. I think I think that's a that's a good one, man. All right, Barry, I appreciate you, man. Vico writes, what up, Ben? Long-time listener since the first episode. We actually got to speak on IG Live earlier in the year. I told you about my Mercedes collection and museum in Florida. I know you're into BMWs more, but was wondering if you ever plan on visiting the collection when you're in Florida. Thanks. This was not really a question that could have been, I might as well. Look, I've deleted 17 questions already, but I'll answer this. Vico, I would love to. I'm playing DJ Khaled's golf tournament out there. If I have some time, I definitely want to check it out. I never said I was into BMWs more. I definitely am a bigger Mercedes fan than I am the BMWs fan. Um, sure, why not? Eat some Cuban food and chill out and all that stuff. Impressive collection. I remember it. I, I just not crazy so much about super vintage cars. There is a part of the Mercedes era between the 80s and 90s that holds a deep place in my heart. So if you got some of those, man, if you have a hammer, I think you said you did. I definitely want to check that out. All right. Fan question, no name. Hey, Ben, been listening to the pod for a couple of years now. I recently got out of a seven-year relationship. No kids involved. It's been kind of a difficult to cope with at times. She was not just the love of my life, my best friend as well. What have been some things that have really helped you cope with adjusting to your new lifestyle? Thank you for all the free game. Um, much love from OKC. I don't really know how old you are and age does play a factor. Because you guys could have been dating in high school and then you could be 26 now. You know, um, I don't know, or 25, whatever. No kids involved. This is a biased question. You know what I mean? Biased answer. I mean, me personally, when kids aren't involved, it's just going to be 10 times easier. I'm sorry. But I've been through heartbreak with the girl I was with for three years. We're engaged and I fucked up. You know, if she's the love of your life, of course she's your best friend. I think just missing that companionship and um, I don't know exactly what happened between y'all, but don't drive yourself crazy about the things that you could have done, right? There are some types of relationships you could be like, look, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Can we work this out? Blah, blah. That don't really happen a lot when things linger for a long time. You may not know how long you guys may have been out of touch. You know, um, I'm not going to get too deep into it with my situation, but like, you know, coping with it is dealing with the pain, as fucked up as that is, having all the feels and just going through it. Don't run from it. Don't run from the pain. But at the same time, don't put yourself in a hole and get yourself in such a, such a deep state of depression that you don't want to be outside. You don't want to, and I'm talking like, you know, I don't want to be outside. But I mean like to the point where you don't want to talk to anyone again. Time heals all, bro. You know, let a little time pass by. You ain't got to go out there and date, but, you know, when you're ready to, go out there and go. You know what I'm saying? Do it. But you might meet the love of your life. You know, the fucking grocery store. Who fucking knows? Tougher, you know, tougher out there to meet women, man. Good women. But, you know, maybe some time passes by and you guys resolve your differences and, and figure it out. It's good to have a little hope in the back of your mind and have it back there, but don't be delusional about it. You know, and, and that's my best advice I can give you for that situation, man. Good luck, bro. Just a few more questions. I had to take some shit out, man. It was just some fucking stupid ass shit, man. How big is your dick? Like, fuck, three inches. What the fuck you think? Hey, Ben, just wanted to know if you could go more into depth on your intermittent fasting. I've seen your results and would love to try it out. Also, any tips you could share about your weight loss journey? Let me be honest with you. It's a lot 
easier than you think it is, but it's a lot harder than you think it is to stay in that mode. So let me go into in-depth with intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is letting your body burn off the fat, meaning you're in intervals, right? And if you want to start off, they say you should do 16 hours of no eating and eight hours of eating. So that means, let's just say, for instance, your first meal is at 12 o'clock, okay, 12 noon. That means eat what you want pretty much until 8 p.m. Now, you can go a little more clean if you want to see faster results, but I kind of didn't want to change my diet, right? So from 12 to 8, you can have three, four meals a day I mean, in, in that eight hours. You could have some dessert, you could have some soda, you could have whatever you want. But at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., you don't have nothing but water and tea. And I would suggest non-caffeinated tea. Now, when you wake up, have some black coffee, have some tea with caffeine in it, give you a little pep, right? Um, if you can, avoid sugar, right? It'll help your intermittent fast a lot better or, or cut down your sugar. Find sugar alternatives. Now, when you start rocking in a couple months in, you may not see a ton of results. You might not see a big, huge you know, loss in weight. That doesn't mean you stop going. It takes four or five months to even start kicking in any kind of somewhat results. When I mean like maybe 10 pounds. Now I've lost 53 pounds in fucking 81 days before, but I was unhealthy. I was just, just no carbs, whatever. Your breath starts to get funky. What I'm saying is do that for a little bit. Try it out for a month. If you can't do it, just keep going. I know that's not really an answer, but if you can't do it, don't take no. Keep going. Don't fuck up. Set alarms on your phone. Set alarm for 7.45, 15 minutes left of eating or 30 minutes before, 30 minutes left of eating and 8 o'clock set an alarm. Do not eat anymore. You could change your times. You could do 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. if you want to eat later. You could do 10 a.m. into 6 p.m. But once your body goes through that 12-hour mark where you're not eating is when really you start seeing real fucking like diet happen, okay? Now, when you start getting rocking for a few months, Jump into a 10-14, meaning you eat for 10 hours and then you fast for 14 hours. Now, when you get your, to your ideal weight, you can go 12 to 12. And I think that's like the minimum. So basically, you know, you eat at 8 a.m., drink coffee with cream, whatever the fuck you want to do, that's going to break your fast. Okay. Go to 8 p.m. And that's not that hard to do. There have been times I wanted to give up drink more water, find a sugar alternative. I found these sugar-free icebreakers I just take and just, you know, during those times I can't eat. Once you get to where you want to be, you won't want to fuck this up. I'll have a cheat day maybe once every two weeks lately just because I did get a little too fucking thin, but I'm going to start getting a little more tone and shit like that. But I feel like I've been kind of getting back where I want to be. Once you really get used to it and you really do this for a while, because I'm in it now almost, I'm in it for a year now. And I think, I think that's basically like, I'm so deeply embedded into it. I don't want to eat after a certain amount of time, you know, so good luck, Ruben, or good luck, Richard. And, uh, you know, keep it going. Another Dylan. What's up, Ben? My name is Dylan, longtime fan and listener. My question is, what made you switch from your tailor-made P790 irons to your new stealths? 
Saw your IG story and was curious because I was thinking about buying 790s. I never used blades before, but I know blades can be harder to hit. So we're just curious what made you switch. Thanks and much love. Well, I'm going to answer that quickly after the fan questions, but I'll break it down to you. TaylorMade gave me the P790 because that was a really popular club. That was more of their expensive line. And it obviously knew that I would push people to buy P790s. Then for a while, P790s were impossible to get. Now, the thing is, I didn't really have a hard time playing with P790s. I had a great coach. But then I realized they weren't forgiving. So my misses were worse. And so, you know, Trotty was like, look, you need to get some stelts. When I got into stealth, I started hitting the ball further, having a more forgiving club. I could play stealths forever. I could play 790s forever. But once I started getting really good, or a lot better, I said, I learned on 790s. Fuck it. Why don't I go back? And I did. But with the evolution of my swing, I started realizing when you play bad, you play really bad because the misses are worse. So that's just the reason. You know, um, if you've never used blades before, why go to them? Go to them when you really get to a single handicap and then figure it out. But remember, there's a break-in period with clubs. So if you're playing stealth right now, you're playing bigger clubs, Stay with them. Fuck you need to change clubs for. Save yourself some money. But when you're ready to get there, when you want to shape shots, might be a little tougher to shape shots with bigger clubs. But my coach plays bigger clubs and it's all good. All right. All right, guys. Last question of the day. Oh, man. And it's a golf question. All right. Last question of the day. It's from Giovanni. Yo, what's up, Ben? My name is Giovanni from New Jersey. You've inspired me to get into golf and I've been addicted ever since. I'm still working on my swing and perfecting it. So I'm only hitting the range for now, but for some reason I'm afraid to hit the course because I feel like I'm not good enough yet. At what point did you start hitting the course after practicing at the range? My biggest fear is not wanting to hit the course, of not wanting to hit the course is that I feel like I'll be holding everyone else up because I can't even hit the ball straight consistently. Should I just go for it? think about six months in, a little more than six months, like six and a half, seven months is when I started. Well, I start playing par threes. Play some par threes. Play them at weird times here and there. But look, fuck everyone else. If they're holding up behind you or you're holding somebody up, tell them to pass you up. Play with two balls, okay? I say go after it now, especially if you've been playing a few months at the range. Fuck it. You need to practice your shots because the range ain't going to do it. I mean, look, you can hit the balls great at the range. Go on the golf course. The hardest thing to do is bring your range swing to the golf course. Plus at the range, you have multiple balls to hit. 30, 60, 70 balls, 100 balls. You only get one shot on the golf course. I think you should try it. I think you should try a municipal course. Again, book tee times at early or let people pass. Practice shots. Practice with a purpose. Okay? Fuck what everyone else thinks. Do you know these people? Gives a fuck. But yeah, don't hold them up. You know, if you're playing and you're slow on a hole, all right, people are there. Like, hey, pass me up. All good. But you're never going to get there if you don't practice and try. And you should practice on a course. If you have a coach, great. It's a lot more expensive to get a coach to play around with you to show you what you're playing wrong. But there's got to, I don't know where you are. Oh, New Jersey. Shit. Tough time to fucking get a golf, a tee time in, in fucking in New Jersey. Man, drive down to North Carolina. Take a trip. Go somewhere where, you know, I don't know, play a shitty course. Playing off bad lies make you better sometimes. But I do suggest playing a par three course, maybe playing nine holes. Play an executive nine hole course. Find something somewhere, but you definitely got to get out to a course and feel that. That's There's nothing, no feeling like that. The range is cool. 
I do it for practice. I'm not a great, I, I used to love the range. Not that I hate it. It's just, I love going to the course now and do get my warm ups at the range, you know, but good luck with your journey, Giovanni. And by the way, guys, that is all for fan questions. And thank you everyone for tuning into the show. Make sure you are subscribing to Behind the Baller podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend if you are not subscribed. And I got a very special guest here who wants to say hello. Hello. Oh, come here. Uh, hello. <laughs> I love you, Daddy. <laughs> Wait a second. What's your name? You're not telling people your name. Who are you? I'm London. London what? Yank. Anyways, guys. We're going to take a commercial break real quick. We'll be right back with the outro of the show. That's my son, London. He just woke up. All right, y'all. Before we close out this show, um, I got to say thank you for all the Father's Day Starbucks gift cards. There was way more than I thought. Like, wow, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I haven't really hit Starbucks like that because I was hitting it way more when I was um, living in my other home with my family. It's been weird. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm outside, but I'm not outside. Strange. But thank you so much, everyone. There's too many to mention. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. I do use it. Kaya loves Starbucks. Um, the boys love cake pops and all that. By the way, I will be in Las Vegas all week. All week. And I'm excited because we're shooting part three. Um, we're going to be at the match. You know, as Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey versus Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. I think Steph and Clay going to wax that ass. Travis is my guy. I don't know Patrick like that. But I'm excited, you know, to be out there, record the show, be in Vegas. It's been a minute going to be in Vegas. Um, it's going to be hot as shit. Be playing golf, recording the show, chilling with JR, Steven, Dust Brothers. And um, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm sad because I'll be away from the kids. But I will see him over the weekend a little bit. And um, just getting used to all this, man. It's just it's just getting weird. Um, I got a subscriber meetup this weekend. I'm looking forward to that. What else, man? Oh, I got some new stealth all black stealth irons. 790 is a dope, so I was playing the best golf of my life. But the problem is when you have a bad round, usually because you get bad misses. And the 790s, even though they're, they're the best of both worlds, they still are technically blades. So when you miss, you miss. So I said, you know what? Let me fucking try, fuck around and get with these, put these, these irons back, my, these stealths back in my bag, more forgiving and they're all black. And on the whole other end of the spectrum, I got some Tiger TW7 irons. These are the hardest clubs to hit in the world. And they're the most they're, they're one of the most expensive irons out there, but it was a gift. And um, damn. You gotta understand how impossible it is to hit these things, right? But you know, um, golf game is looking all right and all that. Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know the origin or how it started. Mark Zuckerberg challenged Elon Musk to a cage fight. We don't need to get too deep into it. Elon's a big dude. I've met him. I've never seen Mark Zuckerberg in real life. I think Mark is a geek and all that, but there's there's a certain part about being a billionaire running a company and being certain, you know. Zuck been training. I'm going to keep it a buck. 
I think Zuck might whoop Elon's ass like bad. Might fuck Elon up. Elon is, he's a husky motherfucker, but he's not in shape. And I just think Mark would whoop his ass. I don't know where the fuck that even began from, but but it's fucking weird. What else? Oh, shit. We went and saw um, Spider-Verse, Spider-Man cartoon movie. Thought it was really good. I thought it was, you know, it was intelligent. It was a good film. It was a little weird. I don't really follow that cartoon, or that comic. But Ryder in London loved it. And, um, you know, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to chill, eat some snacks, return some emails and chill out, get some rest. But the kids loved it. You know what I mean? And then I walked outside and I seen the poster for the Equalizer 3. Now, one thing about Denzel, for those of you who don't know, Denzel gave my start in Hollywood, right? Yes, Denzel Washington, the only fucking Denzel there is. He had said early in his career when he was already a gigantic mega superstar, he will never do a sequel. But he did Equalizer 2. It was one of my favorite movies. Equalizer 1, loved it. Number 2, fucking loved it. Number 3, there's no way they're going to miss. I can't fucking wait. September, literally can't wait. The Meg 2 is coming out and my kids are obsessed with that. Can't wait. That's in August. I'm excited. There's a couple things I want to see. Oppenheimer, not so much. Christopher Nolan, I fuck with him. I just don't no but didn't get to watch the idol this weekend i need to catch up on that um the idol is the number one tv show in the world and i'm not mad but i stumbled across this story on hulu tmz investigates these four kids that survived 40 days in the fucking amazon stranded in the jungle Okay, their mom, the pilot, and I think some other adult were killed in a plane crash in the fucking Amazon. There was a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 4-year-old, and a fucking infant. And just off the survival skills that they had from the way they were raised, they lived for 40 fucking days in the jungle. And there's this crazy custody dispute between the dad and the grandfather, all this other crazy shit. But it just fucking amazed me because two of these kids are, one of them is, is Ryder's age. One is younger than Kai and the other one's a little fucking baby. And they lived off the earth and just survived. It's fucking crazy. That ain't even resilience. That's just some different shit. And the shit was fascinated. Fucked me up. Decided to Google it after. Watch the fucking documentary. And it was just crazy. They got saved. They were found. You know, they, they were immediately taken to Columbia, back home. And, um, you know, they, they got IVs. They got fed. But they're doing a mental health assessment on them, as they should. But, like, I think about, you know, not being around my children fucking for 30-some-odd days. And I was like, you know, in the darkest place of my life, I couldn't imagine being a jungle like this. And I'm an adult who has some survival skills and, you know, I don't know, dehydration, all kinds of shit. I'm just, wow, blown the fuck away. On the flip side, some sick fucks out there. A lady left her child, I think in a hotel or motel room for eight days and it died. Like an infant, you know, diapers, baby bottle, the whole nine, 
and she went to Puerto Rico. She's going to get life in jail. And, and let me say something. She deserves it. There's nothing else to talk about that. That's the end of the story. Ain't no trial need to happen. Don't waste the taxpayer's money. How do you leave your semi-newborn infant eight days? Like, And the last fucked up story is in Chicago, there's a lady in the chicken spot getting her ass whooped by a grown-ass man. Ladies get, I'm talking full-blown shots to the face. This dude is swinging hard as possible, whooping her ass. She tells her son to get the gun from the car. 14-year-old son shoots the dude, kills him. Now there's a $3 million bond. He's in jail. I don't know what the circumstances were. I don't know if you guys heard me talk about this. My dad whooped my mom's ass. He beat the fuck out of us. He beat my mom up. My mom still loved his ass. That right there fucked me up so bad. I knew right then and there. I'll be strict. I'll do tough love. But I'm not beating my kids' asses. And I would never fucking hit a woman. I've never hit a woman in my entire life. And that was not just because it's wrong but because of the 40 plus years of trauma I've been carrying with me. This couldn't be. And that's a fact. But anyways, guys, what a fucking crazy episode of Fan Questions. See you back next month with Fan Questions. I don't know, guys. It's going to be a crazy week again. You know, um, I hope to get some good golf in. We got some shit coming up. And um, Fourth of July... I, I really don't know what to say. I just want to have the best possible summer. I want my kids to be as unscathed as possible. Got Kaya's birthday's coming up. London's birthday's coming up. And I'm just trying to keep my shit going and really just get this back nine popping. This golf gear that I'm dropping with Network looks so fucking good. I cannot wait to fucking share it with you guys. I'm really excited. But at the same time, I'm in a weird place, like I said, guys. So again... Sending peace and love. This is not your practice life, everyone. You hear the lakey lake in the background. Yo, we out of here, y'all. Peace. Peace.